Welcome to I Took the High Road with Jacob Jansen. Our program is designed to educate about the drug problems that are reaching epidemic proportions in the United States. Could we be approaching the drug problem the wrong way? Mr. Jansen has been down the road of addiction, down the path of recovery, and now helps others find their path. Addicts are not bad people trying to get good. They are sick people needing to get well. Are you a part of the solution or the problem? Come and join us for an hour of fantastic guests, amazing stories, positive encouragement, and information that just might make your community a better place. Now, here is your host, Jacob Jensen. Hello, this is I Took the High Road, and I am your host, Jacob Jansen. Today's show is Music Cares uh, and the Musician's Assistance Program, and a little bit later we have uh, Harold Owens, who is the Senior Director of the Musician's Assistance Program Fund. Um, the Musician's Assistance Program Fund is the charity arm of the Recording Academy, or better known as the Grammys. So what I want to talk about a little bit uh, this morning um, is music, um, and how music was was really important in my life um, and why it helped me get clean and, and continues to help me in my recovery. So growing up, uh, you know, I wasn't too musically inclined. I was in the marching band, played tuba and sousaphone. That's about the closest I ever got to a professional musician. But my sister is a professional harpist in, in uh, Illinois. Her name is Janelle Jansen Lake, and she owns Great Lake Harpist. And I also have a, a cousin in the family, uh, Danny Nimmer, who is a, a pianist for Wynton Marsalis. Uh, he's a jazz pianist in, in New York. Um, both of them have managed to uh, do very successful in their musical careers, and both of them managed to uh, avoid getting hooked on drugs or alcohol. But one of the things uh, that music really helped me do is it helped me through the very difficult periods in my life, through the detox off of the opiates, uh, through my incarceration, and through treatment. Um, I remember in detox being able to listen to the headphones um, and forget about some of that pain that I was going through. It really put me in a different place, jail, the exact same way that, uh, you know, I could be having a really, really tough time. Uh, in there. It's very stressful, very lonely, and I could put on the headphones and it would transform me to, to another place. Now, when I was in treatment, the facility that I went to had a, had a rule that said there is no music allowed in the facility. They didn't want outside influence in. And they had a morning meditation and uh, a, a night meditation before bed. And the morning one was more guided, but the night one was optional. Now, when I was in that facility, I followed every rule, except when I left to go to a court case, I brought back a CD uh, to listen to in that night meditation. And that was Pink Floyd's uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Um, and, and I remember listening to that in nightly meditation, eventually getting caught by the counselors, um, admitting my wrongs. And, you know, they kind of gave me a pass for it. They, they, they realized that this was a positive thing that, you know, was, uh, we were listening to music. We were using it the right way. So it's, it's really been a big part, um, of, 
the difficult periods in my life, but also brings a lot of joy to my life and, and helps uh, me get away. I'm on the road traveling a lot for interventions, and uh, certainly one of the things that I'd love to do is just blast the music and get away. So uh, what I want to talk about uh, or introduce to the show right now, uh, his name is Harold Owens, and he's the senior director uh, of the Music Care Map Fund. Uh, good morning, Harold. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Well, good morning, Jake. How are you? I hope everything's everything's going well this early it is. morning. It's, it's kind it's, of early uh, on the West Coast, but uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for being here. It's a good day to be alive. So you know. Yep. I, so, can you please tell our listeners, you know, just a little bit about your background and how you became the senior director of the Music Cares Map Fund, which is the charity arm of the Recording Academy or the Grammy organization. Yeah, well, I, I uh, first of all, I'm uh, I'm 62 years old. I, I don't feel like it. Uh, I've been in recovery. I, I got sober on October 1st, 1988. So I've been sober just over uh, 26 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, as I said, I feel like a kid. And, and like you, uh, I was uh, addicted to heroin uh, for a while, pills, uh, pretty much a, a kind of a... Uh, Whatever you have, kind of junky, you know. Uh, I'd go through periods where I would just take pills, not do anything. I, I had a period where I drank. I had, um, I just kept getting beat over the head with addiction. All of the dreams that I had when I was growing up, uh, you know, fizzled away. Uh, I went. Uh, I'm from Los Angeles. I went back, back east to school. I went to um, to Rutgers in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I had already started using as a, as a teenager, and that just fizzled away that um, the urge to, to continue my, my academic career just uh, fizzled. Finally, I just uh, I went back to the, the West Coast and began a life of just complete demoralization in a matter of six months after I got back. I was... I was using heroin, and uh, it was 15 years of up and down um, yeah, yeah. drug use, and uh, you know, just a horrible life. And and you know, at the time, I didn't realize how hard it was uh, to to be a junkie. I, I didn't, you know, it was just part of my life. I had accepted it, and it it was it was um, I, I had no clue about what uh, a normal life was. Sure, you know, there, there's certainly this misconception that uh, people think that opiate addicts just like to party every day and have fun every day, and really that's, you know, not the case. It was, you know, so much about just being able to function and get out of bed and make it to the, you know, you know at first maybe it was about partying, but really at the end of that opiate addiction, you know, it took away everything, including my drive to go out there and be successful in what I wanted to do. You touched on that a little bit, so... Oh, no, uh, you're absolutely right. The, the party was over a long time, long before I realized it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out uh, why all of my friends who weren't, you know, I had a lot of friends who were just straight and they were completing, you know, having families and working and having a career. And I just was just, you know, uh, when it was good, I would, instead of going to jail, I went into, to a treatment program, you know, and, um, and, and why my life couldn't take off. Mm -hmm. I, I just couldn't figure that, that out. And, and it, it took me eventually a long time. 
and going to jail sometimes for you know petty crimes and uh, and living that life of a, of a junkie that I finally got that this disease just didn't want me not working and mm-hmm. just didn't want me uh, not having a family or not or it didn't want me not being happy. It really wanted me dead. It's, and that, it's... That, 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 that realization uh, happened one night when, uh, you know, I'd run out of all options and the thought of suicide became very apparent to me that that was, my, that was the way out for me. And that was, that was my only option. My best thinking said, uh, you know what, Harold, this, you've let everybody down. You let yourself down one more time. You're back here. You, you're, you're doing the same thing over and over again. Your, my best thinking said it's time to really check out. Yeah, absolutely. This, and that the was a slide, wake up, that big wake up call. Yeah, me. that slide down is so insidious, filled with you know little bumps down that you really don't see how this stuff is you know completely destroying your life and just taking over everything in it. And you know, you talked about you know seeing all your friends succeeded in my early twenties. I was a hedge fund manager, doing much much better mm-hmm. than all my friends. In my early thirties, I was making minimum wage, and all my friends had surpassed me. You know, and and it was everybody's fault except my. You know, oh, yeah, could not see you know. my part in it. Exactly. Uh, as, as the big book said, I could not see, uh, you know, I couldn't see that. Uh, I, I always rationalized that, oh, I was only hurting myself. And I never yeah. wanted to hurt anybody. I never wanted to hurt my parents or my friends or, uh, my, you know, my, my girlfriends. I, I never sure. wanted that. And I didn't see that I was doing that. But in, in the end, I finally did realize that, that those are the first people that I hurt. You yeah, know, that, yep. and, and and uh, all that shame came rushing in uh, on that one particular day, uh, and and that was the night. As I said, I, I I had been working, I had some insurance, and I, you know, I went back to my my mom and, and dad, and, and they they put me in a hospital, yep. and, you know, and, in a treatment program. And and we're very judicial heavy in the, in the Midwest. There's there's uh, this air that we need to lock our addicts up, and and that's certainly what happened with me, um, mm-hmm. you know. And I was facing a lot of time, and uh, my parents really stepped up too and said, "Hey, we want to get you into treatment. We want to get you the help. We want to fix this instead of punish you for this disease." You know. And, oh and yeah, yeah. So, um, but <clears throat> so so. How did you get uh, involved? You know that that's kind of the addiction, and you know what drove you to finally decide to get clean. We all have our breaking point or that proverbial bottom that they say. Uh, but how did you get involved with you know music cares and the Map Fund? Are you a musician? Do you have musical history? Or well, I have musical history, um, and of course that didn't at the time I was getting sober. That that wasn't a thought of mine that I wanted to work in treatment <laughs> or even. Uh, the 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 absolute dream of having uh, yeah, the opportunity I, to work in the music business. I certainly didn't uh, think I, I was going to be a radio show host. So, <laughs> and four pardon? years out, I said I certainly didn't think I was going to be a radio show host. Four well, years God's out, good so. to us, and yes. maybe that's what we you know he, he, he's intended for us to do it in, in the first place. Um, like you, I had uh, you know I had played. I was a, I was a, a flute player of sax, uh, actually woodwinds. And um, as my addiction increased, my love for music uh, decreased, and mm-hmm. I started hawking my, my my instruments. I love music, just like you with, you know, your your, yeah. your story with with um, uh, how Pink was it Pink Floyd? You said yep, dark dark yep, side um, of the moon. Yeah, we listened to that I every night. Insane, you know, I had a very rich 
um, music background and a lot of different genres, and it was the same thing for me. Music was the thing that it really you know calmed me down, and and I, uh, I I began to realize how important music was to me. So what I did is um, I started my career over. I, I started working. I did the, the first thing that I did was I, I um, started working in a hospital, a treatment center that I'd gone through. I, I became a tech. I was chasing bedpans with, and putting, you know, uh, yeah. helping, helping the, the new patients uh, get situated. Uh, yeah, I was what they would call a, a chemical dependency um, technician. Okay. And I went back to school, and I just stuck with it. Uh, and I kind of was, I, I, I let God be in the driver's seat. Sure. And uh, and let let my life just be about my own recovery and getting better. And gradually, as I finished school, I began to uh, work in a treatment center that I found. Uh, I became um, a counselor. I started off being a counselor, and I worked for a uh, 50-bed CD psychiatric unit. Um, we had 30 beds for chemical dependency uh, and 20 for psychiatric um, uh, folks with psychiatric disorders. Um, and usually they were combined. And I got the opportunity uh, in about five or six years to become program director of that, of that um, program. And finally, uh, the, the program that I was working for, what was called Exodus, decided to move uh, and, and uh, to another uh, hospital. And there was a job opening at the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, um, the folks that did the Grammys, uh, for their program. It was just getting started. It was called Music Cares. And I applied for it, and I had an interview. And we had been treating some of the musicians at that time anyway from that program. And I interviewed, and uh, as luck would have it, I, I got the job, and, and I started there uh, in, 19, in 2000, actually in 1999. Uh, as the director of addiction recovery services uh, for music cares. So you know, it, it, early in, in early recovery in the treatment facilities, you know, and, and I heard you touch on this. They say you have to put your recovery first, and there's yeah. only one thing you have to change, and that's everything. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's certainly applied to my life. I had to make some real drastic changes to do that. Um, and, you know, one of those changes was to get certified as an intervention specialist. And I, I walked with, uh, I worked mm-hmm. with a, a treatment administrator for six months to get trained. Um, you know, and I did my first intervention. And actually, at my first intervention, he was mm-hmm. a musician. He was a musician from New York, um, mm-hmm. actually just in Wisconsin, uh, visiting his family. And the family said, we need to get this kid some help. Um, and I remember talking to my mentor coach because this was the first intervention that I did by myself. You know, uh, I'm on my own, you know, nerves are real high and I'm going, okay, I, I need some help, some direction. And the Musician's Assistance Program came up. And at that time, uh-huh. I really didn't understand what it was. I was so early in my career. I'm in the Midwest. I've never heard of this program. Didn't know it was associated with the Grammys or how it even helps. Um, you know, so... Now that I know a little bit about more about it, I want my listeners to to know a little bit more about what is Music Cares and uh, the Musicians Assistance Program. So, what is Music Cares and the Musicians Assistance Program, and how did that start? Okay, so it, it, and it may be a little confusing. Let me clarify uh, a couple of things. Okay, 
1989, uh, Music Cares was started by the Recording Academy, which uh, was a health and human service agency uh, created to help uh, music people, and not just musicians, but engineers, people in the music business, uh, managers, who had fallen on hard times. And from a health and human service perspective, that included uh, medical, psychiatric, uh, dental, um, folks who needed surgery, didn't have insurance, and a substance abuse. Now, I was working at, at, um, at the program, as I mentioned, and they had a, a substance abuse program at the time, uh, Music Cares did, but it wasn't as developed as it should have been. They didn't have one person dedicated to that mission of, of, of recovery. And, and as you know, in many cases, uh, addiction uh, precedes all of the, the problems that people get into that caused us not to have jobs, not to have insurance, you know, sure. uh, not to be productive. So uh, I got hired to set up that program. And MAP, which you were familiar with, uh, the Musician's Assistance Program, at that time also came into being by a great guy named Buddy Arnold, who was a, a good friend of mine. And they start, their mission was to help uh, musicians uh, get, get to treatment and from all folks from all over the country, they would um, develop uh, contracts with providers at greatly reduced rates. And excuse me, they were able to put people in treatment for addiction. Now, when I came on board, uh, what I thought was, uh, I, you know, there was a little uh, competition between the two in the sense that we were both doing the same thing. And every year there would be uh, fundraising on both of our parts. And it was a little redundant. We'd have to hit up the same record labels, the same people every year for the same, essentially, uh, services. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, in, in 2002, Buddy Arnold, the, the guy that created a MAP, uh, died of a heart attack. He and I had become good friends. We started sharing cases to... to to uh, split the the amount of money being used for uh, for addiction services, uh, and it became less of a burden on both of our agencies. Well, he died, and just before he died, we had talked about merging the two entities. So, and in 1989, um, um, when we started, we had no idea that we would be, you know, uh, that MAP would be a part of us. But that did sure. happen in 2002, and the two became one on that date, and, and Music Care's shift um, also included the, 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 um, the task of addiction recovery services, uh, which essentially was the MAP program. We kept the name, and we, mm-hmm. out, of, out of respect and love for Buddy, we kept the name, we kept the signature key. Uh, event, a uh, fundraising event called the MAP Awards so that um, that vision that Buddy created wouldn't just die out and Music Cares became the big guy in the industry. We just kept, we kept the, 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 the MAP name and that's Fantastic. how people sometimes get confused. Uh, why do you call it Music Cares MAP Fund? Well, that's, that's the reason why we do that. Sure. So we got to take a quick commercial break here, but mm-hmm. when we come back, we're going to talk more with uh, Harold Owens, the senior director of the Music Cares Map Fund. Here's a quick commercial break from my sponsors.
life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this, providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is I Took the High Road, and I am your host, Jacob Jansen. Uh, before the break, we were talking with Harold Owens, who is the Senior Director of the Music Cares MAP Fund. Harold, welcome back. Um, what, what is the MusicCares MAP mission right now? Well, um, they're, they're very similar, and we can just, uh, for back of letter, you know, instead of redundancy, let's just call it MAP. What is the MAP mission? Okay. Uh, first of all, MusicCares, uh, as I said, was established in 1989 by the Recording Academy, and it provides a critical safety net for music people in times of need. And prior to that, as you know, musicians pretty much have been independent contractors, which means uh, they, they don't have access to insurance as, as a group. 
um, unless they're making a, you know a lot of money uh, and and they can afford as a group um, to, to to have insurance Med- medically they they are responsible for their own uh, insurance needs if something happens um, emergencies um, on the road um, there was no place uh, for instance the actors have the Actors Fund, which has been around since 1913. And the Actors Fund quite li- is almost, is, Music Cares is modeled after that in that they have um, resources for people to go to uh, who don't have insurance or may have lost their insurance for, for some reason. So we began to model ourselves after, after the Actors Fund. And we got, um, we sought out contracts with um, tr- medical and treatment providers around the country for services for music people uh, who were who had some kind of personal emergency. So those issues um, directly impact the health and welfare of of the music community. Mm-hmm. And as you know, uh, we began to see so many. Um, great talent, great artists die of addiction, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the 90s. Um, you know, all through the, the history of music, there have been so many deaths associated with addiction and, and music. Um, something had to be done. And out of the heart of the Academy, you know, people just think of us as doing the Grammys and doing the show. We had two other um, foundations. One was the Grammy Foundation, which helps uh, uh, keep music alive in schools and p- provides ed- music education for kids, high school kids. Uh, we, they do archiving of great um, uh, music um, that's been recorded along with uh, the Library of Congress. Uh, we had just passed a bill called the Grammy Pill Bill, which provides um, the archiving of, of great old music. Uh, and 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 they uh, the the Grammy Foundation uh, is our educational, if you will, component of of, of Music Cares. And Music Cares uh, was is as I said the the Health and Human Service uh, portion of that. And so when I came along, um, the more we asked questions, if somebody got in trouble, uh, why they were in the predicament they were in, it became apparent that addiction was. Uh, paramount, you know, as to why they were in that condition. So what we began to do is, t- uh, instead of um, getting in a bigger hole by pay- paying, um, you know, exorbitant uh, medical bills, we, um, for instance, if I had a client from Nashville um, and that needed help and was strung out and couldn't do anything, we had a, a relationship with a provider in Nashville. Uh, a treatment center there, and they gave us a greatly discounted rate that we could put our our musicians in treatment there and get them started. And not yeah. just getting them started in a 30-day program, but also providing them the back-end sober living and giving them some time um, to really get better. Sure, uh, you know, and and you know, I love the fact that your program is proactive and it uh, covers a very wide scope. In a country where we're so reactive to problems, we'll wait until things get worse before we decide to actually do something about it. You know, getting mm-hmm. these people the help they need, uh, but then offering so many other services just besides, you know, treatment services. I mean, I even saw uh, on your website you had uh, people could donate to tools of the trade. 
So mm-hmm. like if you have a musician that didn't have an instrument, you want to get them playing. And and I really think that is so important that, you know, that aftercare, that whole encompassing aspect that you not only get the person, you know, the mental health help that they need, you get them the physical, the financial, the, you know, emotional support that they oh, need. Oh, we also. have to do that. You know, Jake, that, that, that we can't do one without the other. Well, I, and I wish more money. people realized that. We <laughs> will waste our money. You know, many times I'll have somebody come up, and uh, a man or a woman, and they'll say, well, I, uh, they, they give me their history, you know, I do a complete assessment, and they've been using, say, 10, 15 years. They've never been in treatment. This is their first go-around. Uh, they want to get back on the road and play. All they want to do is go and, and get, uh, get detox, detox for yep. treatment. And, you know, I, uh, we just don't do that. Sure. I have to tell them, listen, this is a complete package. You can't, that's the easy part, getting detox. You know, the continuation and of, of, of what you do in recovery is where it starts is where you leave that door, um, the treatment facility and start your life as a sober person. You know, that's why we include those. You know, uh, the sober living. That's why we have, um, we have groups, uh, support groups around the country, uh, Nashville, New York, uh, Fort Collins, Los Angeles, Seattle, Austin, Texas. These groups meet every week and they address some of the problems that new musicians are having, um, getting back into the getting back into work, into working. You know, um, being a musician is, uh, being a musician is occupational related hazard, you know, because they're working in clubs and bars and they're sure. exposed to, you know, alcohol all the time. And how do you do that? How, who has that, that knowledge? Well, we have to have people that can come back and, and talk about what they did and how they did it and when is the right time to uh, begin playing again. People, you know, when I was a long time ago, they just said, no, you, you know what, you you got to give up your acts. If you play again, you're going to relapse. And that's yeah. just the way it is. Well, that's not, that's not true. Sure. We you know, know that now. That is not true. We've worked with so many successful musicians now who are at the height of their career. Had they not gotten sober uh, and stopped playing, well, then we would have lost a great talent. Yeah. You, so, you know, you, we, you know, that knowledge got, you know, we, we pass that knowledge along. And yes, you can. There is a time and a place when you can go back out there sure. and, and yeah. play. Well, and, and you said, you know, being a musician's an occupational hazard, being around mm-hmm. alcohol. And, and I kind of chuckled at that because I live in Wisconsin where alcohol is all around us and so socially acceptable. Sure. I went trick-or-treating last week and I probably got a, a, offered a six-pack of beer in the two hours that I was out walking house to house. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's everywhere around here. You so. stop trick-or-treating at some point. <laughs> yeah, I got a two-year-old daughter, so it wasn't yeah. for me. But, um, but, you know, one of the things you know that we also touched on is is it's so encompassing and when i do interventions with a family i think one of um one of the things that 
they're very surprised about is that, hey, 30 days of treatment is just the beginning. It's a good yeah. foundation for that individual, but they're still going to need to fix all the problems, all of the stressors that are associated with using, all of the holes that they've you know, really dug themselves into. So it, it takes a lot of work beyond that point. And, and it's really neat to hear that uh, you know, there's programs out there that are having all-encompassing programs. That, you well, know, yeah, that are and you know, 30 more. days was what it was whittled down to. I remember you know, treatment was a year year and a half mm -hmm. that was and, and it was a phased uh, uh, model sure. uh, but once insurance companies did start cutting back and, and managed care came into play uh, those length of states got chopped down to what we have now is 30 days now uh, the trend now is almost you know uh, detox and outpatient or or something like that where you really are, are just if you don't get on the ball, um, you're going to fall behind. And yeah, you have to get on this, you've got to get on this recovery train as yep. soon as you can. And it's got to, it's got to be, like you say, it's got to be number one in your life. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the, I, I became a certified intervention specialist first and a certified recovery coach second because I recognized mm -hmm. that, hey, I was just sending these clients away. I need to help them, uh, you know, recombine with the community, start using those tools that they learned, you know, in mm -hmm. treatment facilities, really help them focus on, you know, how to reduce stress and what do they want out of life? What's their purpose? How are they going to get it? Um, you know, so I very quickly recognized that I didn't just want to send people off the treatment. I wanted to help them and figure out, you know, how to make their life better and improve. Uh, so, you know, over the the last 10 years or so, I think the, you said the MAP Fund started about 10 years ago? Was that yeah, correct? when we were combined. Yeah. The MAP okay, fund okay. What, what kind yes. of growth have you really seen since, uh, you know, since they combined? Well, we were able to do more things. And uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, Music Air started uh, in... in in 1989, at the Country Music Awards, Music Cares uh, was able to work with the Country Music Association to provide what's called a safe harbor room at the event, at the um, Country Music Awards, during rehearsal times and day of show. And what that room was, was dedicated backstage. It was a dedicated room backstage where we'd have some volunteers to provide meetings, and, and hospitality to the artists that were performing. Uh, and we called it the Safe Harbor Room, and it was for people in recovery, and they would come back, and they'd have, uh, they could relate to the folks that were, that were sharing there. They had meetings. Uh, we had food, and it became a hit. And the next year, we did it at the Grammys, uh, and that was the year I came on board. We, we had a, um, a suite dedicated for, for recovery. And uh, as that picked up, we had not only the artists come in, but the managers, the people, uh, the caterers who were, who were working the, the venue, um, the, the, the techs, the guys that uh, the riggers would come down and, and have lunch with us. And it became a really big thing as we grew. The, um, the amount of people who realized that the room was there um, increased, and we have them all over the country now. We've just got um, every summer now, uh, on the Warp Tour, we have a dedicated person that goes out and does meetings for all the bands that play in all the, all the different cities. And uh, they do meetings every day. And if they need help on the, while they're on the road, we have a dedicated um, Music Cares Map person to, to help them. Uh, for instance, if their gear gets stolen or it gets, uh, their, 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 
they're driving and their car breaks down. Well, we've got somebody on the road, and these are younger younger artists, and sure. they they don't have they don't know what to do, and we are able then to take over um, and help them do that. Now, Map alone wouldn't be able to do that. They would call us for that. Now we're able to to, to do both. It has increased our as I say our scope of services. Um, we do a lot of um, outreach events that. Uh, our educational nature. We will get um, managers um, forums together in different countries. Uh, excuse me, in different cities, and talk about the resources. Uh, one of the topics that we have is what do you do when your artist is in trouble, and we talk about interventions. How should an intervention? They they ask questions about what is the process. Uh, I, I, a good one is I'm, if I do an intervention on my artist, I may get fired. This guy, might, they, they may fire. What do I do if that is the case? And we begin to talk about, well, maybe that's not for you to do. You should maybe take it out of your hands and drop it in our, you know, that's our ballywick. We can help you do that. We can address the problem. And so uh, I would start calling uh, the identified artist and, and talk about, um, you know, we've been hearing, you know, that things aren't going so well for you. You know, and people are worried about you and the intervention. And as an interventionist myself, we talk about that and we open the door that way. And where they may not be reluctant, they may be reluctant to speak to the to the manager. Um, they may want to speak to me, and that will open another door. We do. Um, I've been doing um, panels for the American Bar Association. They have a wing, uh, the, the the sports and entertainment wing of the ADA. And they have conferences all over the country, about three or four a year. And one of their um, one of the things they have to get certified in are a number of hours for substance abuse. So we provide that service to to the American Bar Association and get their attorneys on board with the same kind of questions. And uh, when what what they do when their artist is in trouble, we educate them about uh, addiction and how that can um, how that can help. If their artist is getting getting clean, how that can help them um, have a artist that will have a, a career that's that's long. I mean, you know, we're talking about for the most part five years, and uh, sure, sure at, for most musicians, and now it is a lot um, longer if if someone is clean. You know, now you have people that can have a lifetime of of service. Sure, we got to take a quick commercial break, Harold. But if there's a musician out there that needs help with addiction or another mm-hmm. issue, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you or get help? Oh, the caller caller hotline one eight hundred Music Cares. Um, we have um, uh, we have, uh, as I said, three different offices that will take intake calls. It's very easy. They can look online, uh, musiccares.com, and they Sounds will get good. somebody, and we will call them back on the same day. And we got to take a quick commercial break from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk with more, uh, more with Mr. Owens uh, about Musicare um, and how they've been able to achieve some of that staggering growth that they've had over the last few years. Here's a quick commercial break. Thanks. Great. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. My name is Linda Lenz. Last year, my husband and I received a phone call that no parent should ever receive. We received a call that our 23-year-old son had died of a heroin overdose. 
We were on a mission to find out how this could happen. He was a beautiful person, intelligent, a straight-A student, and a wonderful son. But here's what we did not know. The drug landscape had changed. Kids in junior high and high school were using prescription pills to get high. Prescription pills are opiates, just like heroin, and they can be found in almost every home's medicine cabinet. To combat this problem, we established a Facebook page, Stop Heroin WI, and a website, StopHeroinNow.org. Please go to this website and donate generously. All of your money goes directly to prevention programs and rehabilitation programs. StopHeroinNow.org. So no parent ever has to receive that phone call. Hi, my name is Jacob Jansen, and I am the owner of My Recovery Project. Do you know someone using drugs or alcohol? Are their actions negatively affecting you or people you care about? If so, it is time for an intervention. Far too often, we are a country that acts after problems arise. It is time to act now. Interventions confront a person and allow them to see their self-destructive behavior and how it affects themselves, family, and friends. Just as important, interventions help the family understand the disease of addiction and make sure the loved one gets the help they need by offering a solution of treatment. I have been through the hell of addiction, and I have found a passion in recovery helping others. Getting a person into treatment can be a difficult task. I help the family through this, providing options, and I become a mediator during the intervention. If you would like more information, please visit www.myrecoveryproject.com or call 262-290-1072 for a free consultation before things get worse. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email at jacobjansen at itookthehighroad.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is I Took the High Road, and I am your host in recovery, Jacob Jansen. Uh, Before the break, we were talking with Harold Owens, uh, the senior director of the Musicians Assistance Program Fund. Uh, Harold, when... uh, we, when we left to go into break, we were talking about uh, the growth that Music Care has seen over the last 10 years. How has uh, the Musician's Assistance Program been able to achieve that growth and help that many people? Well, as we began to reach out at first to the artists themselves, now we have connections uh, as a result of people, you know, it's word of mouth, but we are now reaching out to managers, to entertainment attorneys. I've worked with a number of uh, people in the music business who are now uh, or have been CEOs of record labels themselves, um, and they've gotten sober, and now they run labels. They are actually in the, the top echelon of, of the music business. They know about us. Uh, and it's a little difficult because, you know, we can't – there is a criteria for me – for who gets help, and you have to have at least five years as a professional uh, musician to qualify for our services. So we have to appeal 
uh, not to the general public, but to, because we'll get a lot of calls and we'll have to tell the person, well, they don't qualify, which we don't like to do ever. So we have to uh, focus our, our uh, outreach on the music um, industry itself. Sure. So can, can you clarify, when you say a professional musician, what do you mean? Trying to make a living in the industry for a minimum of five years? or yeah, Well, yeah. They, um, not a hobby? No, it's not a hobby. They're not a garage band. They have to have at least uh, um, one recording um, or one album with okay. their name on it, credits. Um, they're, they're, um, uh, you know, they have to play uh, different... The way the music business is now, it's very difficult getting contracts, but they have to have a show a, a consistency and, and playing in festivals. Uh, the letters, you know, having folks provide letters that they've been working. We look sure. on the internet. Uh, you know, we, we look at Wikipedia. They will write out a, a, a history um, of what they've been doing in the industry, and then we're. It's on them to to verify that, and on us sure. to verify it. But them to come up with who they've been working with and 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 the proof. Of what sure. they've been what they've been doing, that hasn't been a problem to be quite honest with you, because mm-hmm. somewhere there will be a record of their of their music. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, what have some of the past fundraising events you know entailed? Who are some of the musicians associated with mu- Music Cares? Well, um, <laughs> we have what's called uh, we have two signature events. So I'll, I'll say that in which. Um, for Music Cares, it is the, the person of the year, which happens two days before the Grammys. We have uh, at, at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, we have an event that has about two, it holds 2,000 people. The tickets are, and it's for, to the music industry because the tickets are very expensive. But last year, um, we, we honored, um, we honored uh, Barbara Streisand, over the years, we've had um, Elton John, Quincy Jones, Phil Collins, um, Paul Simon, Stevie Wonder. Uh, the list goes on. And every year, those what those artists do is they invite the, the friends, their friends, people who they you know respect, come out and play their music. It is <laughs> it is uh, an unbelievable event to have uh, these artists come out. Springsteen, you know, who wouldn't come out and, and, and play one of Springsteen's songs if, if, if he called you and said, can you come out and do this for us? We're trying to raise some money for music ears. <laughs> this year we've got Bob Dylan. We've been trying to get Bob Dylan for quite a few years, and it's going to be one of, the, one of the, the big events we've ever had, not to mention Paul McCartney. Uh, a few years ago. So that's one of our events. We raise a lot of money for that event. And all the money that we raise, which I'm very proud of, um, we are supported, as I say, by the Recording Academy, and they pay our salaries, they pay our infrastructure. So the money that we raise goes directly, at the net money that we raise after we pay our you know, expenses goes sure. directly to client services. Sure, and, you, so, and you're a nonprofit uh, also, too, up, right? You know, and you, and you are a nonprofit also, too. I oh yeah, we are a nonprofit. So you know, there are, um, you know, there's a we are five one oh one c three. The money can be written off. Sure. So we're, we're lucky in that in that sense that we have that parent organization to cover some of the uh, ancillary costs that normal uh, organizations would have to 
to come up and with and pay themselves as well. Now, sure. the second or the second event is the MAP Awards, which is held every year. And uh, you know, over the years, we've had Dave Navarro, we had Ozzy last year, um, a number of artists who have um, uh, James Hetfield, Metallica. And it's the same kind. It's more of a rock event and and more low-key, I would say, uh, a a little less formal, you know, whereas the person of the year is a a lot more formal and and more expensive. Well, this is held at a smaller venue. We have living room sets, which um, there there will be the stage, and then we'll put up... um, uh, tables and um, and sofas and couches uh, and and people will be very informal and people will you know mix it up there and uh, and have a very very informal but good time you know with a buffet um, so that is another way a, a source of income we have a capital campaign um, uh, we ran one uh, a couple years ago and we were able to raise a, a, a number of millions of dollars by going directly to people who were in the position to help Music Cares. Um, we got some million-dollar grants from, from folks in the industry. And I, I don't like to, um, we don't like to tell who gave us this money. It's not, it's not fair to them. Sure. But um, we have a number of, of, of people who, who really do uh, come forward, uh, labels. Uh, every year we have a, every year a, a major label will put out um, a record of the songs that are nominated for Grammys, which would be about 15 songs, and it becomes the number one on the charts, and that money um, will go to, to Music Harris and the MAP Fund. Wow. So um, we raise a lot of money through individual and also uh, organized events. Sure. There, there seems to certainly be this movement uh, right now with musicians and actors and young people in recovery that are making recovery cool again. That, are, that, that this is the new oh, thing. Yeah. That being yeah. in recovery is where you want to be. You know, out out of the drug life and use. And uh, I'm starting to see a lot of uh, younger indiv- individuals starting to go into the schools and start mm-hmm. showing these kids, hey, we made mistakes, but this is why we made these mistakes and we don't want you to, you know, you can be cool without using drugs or alcohol. Oh yeah. And uh, on the wider front, Jake, that whole movement of reducing the stigma of addiction, not just with musicians, but you know, countrywide, there's a big movement now. It's just getting started. I'm starting to see it about the need to reduce the stigma of, of addiction and address that problem. And that has, as you said, it's happened and it's happening with the music business and people do go out and they want to talk about uh, they want to ask these kids, you know, uh, have the kids who they look up to. Their, their, James Hadfield, come on, the, you know, sure. they just do a they just do a quarterly magazine, and James was talking about music cares, and we got some interviews uh, about what we do, sure. um, and and it's an, you know it's one more way we can educate the the, the community on on addiction and what they should do if some one of their friends is in trouble. Every year we have a uh, an outreach event with um, uh, with NIDA, National Institute of Drug Abuse, that um, kids, songwriters uh, of teens who have written songs about loved ones who have suffered from addiction and may have died, and it may have been a personal uh, song about their own addiction, and we have a contest, and the winners uh, we can bring we bring out from all over the United States, and they come out. And they get to watch the Grammys, and, um, and we show them uh, one or two days behind the stage 
of what it's like to put on a, a big uh, event like the Grammys. And, um, and that's another way that, you know, it's on their, on their website that people can see. Sure. You know, you, you mentioned taking the, the stigma out of the disease, and, and that's certainly one thing that I've tried to do as a radio talk show host. I mean, I was mm-hmm. a, uh, a, a scholar athlete in high school, a hedge fund manager, but I was also an IV heroin user in my you know, mid-20s, late 20s. That's a double life for you. That's a, that's a tough job. <laughs> right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're leading <laughs> both lives. So in one way, people think you're doing really well, and they, they don't see the drug use because they see me doing very well in school. They see me as an athlete. They see me, uh, you know, with friends and making lots of money. Um, so, you know, it made it a lot easier for me to start getting away with, with you know, some of that drug use. And uh, people said maybe it's not as big of a problem as it, as it really is. Um, you know, you know that's, one the of the... that's more of the case than, you know, people being uh, the way they, they portray us as being on Skid Row. Well, most people are yeah. like you and I. Nine out of ten addicts have homes and, yep, and and that. And, you know, one thing that I always love to say is, you know, addicts are not bad people trying to get good. They're sick people needing to get well, Uh, you know, and and I I constantly say that over and over. Um, You know, so we're just about at the end of the show, Harold. This show went so quickly. Thank you again for being on it. Uh, Do you have any final message for our listeners right now? Uh, just on a personal note, it's, it's an honor. Uh, it's such an honor to be able to do this kind of work uh, and, and give back. I, I keep my program separate. I, am a, I, go to, I go to a lot of AA meetings, and I do a lot of charity work outside of, um, outside of Music Cares. That's my own program. Um, and as I said, it's an honor to be able to, to do this and mm-hmm. to help people and have these calls. You know, I spend a lot of time with, with parents whose, whose kids uh, they're, they're worried about and, and to have a, you know, be able to have the, uh, some resource for them to, to, sure. to, for the kids to go to. I have a very good friend of mine who owns a recording studio five years ago. He and I got an organization together that went into the most gang-infested area in Los Angeles, and we built, uh, and the mayor asked us to do this, we built a, a, a recording studio, and music was a part of their curriculum in this high school. It was a brand-new technical arts high school. We got supports from the, from the studios, the movie studios, from the labels, and we made that room available to kids who wanted to come in after school, make music, be creative, learn about uh, what it means to be an engineer. You know, those are the kind of folks that uh, we're talking about who, who make up the music business. Sure. That's, you know? And thank, thank you, Mr. Owens, for being on the show. That's all the time we have today. Thank you again. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Thank you. If you do want to get a hold of Music Cares, you can reach them at www.musicares, that's M-U-S-I-C-A-R-E-S dot org. Uh, and thank you for tuning into our show this week. Please join me next week. Uh, we're going to have Ibogaine University on to talk about Ibogaine and what it does to help people through opiate and alcoholic withdrawal. Uh, thank you and join. have a great week.
Thank you for listening to I Took the High Road. Please join Jacob Jansen for another encouraging hour next Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week.